Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, welcome to the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we always try to keep it raw, real, and unreligious. I'm having so much fun with the guests that we've had on. I'm having so much fun. I think it's so cool to hear the stories though some of them have been very difficult to walk through and listen to and and watch the pain that people go through, it's so cool to watch the end result of what God can do. And today, we don't have a guest. I am your guest. I'm both host and guest today. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is just growing, what it takes to grow. And I think all of us listening today want to grow, whether that's in your business life, your professional life, your personal life, your married life, growing as a father, as a mother, growing as a son, growing as a daughter. I think all of these are important. A lot of my days I spend counseling people either face-to-face or on the phone. I'm counseling groups, individuals, marriages, and trauma moments. And so one of the things that I've learned through this process of leading fully lives and being the founder of a ministry and doing years of counseling. I've been in the ministry for 35 years, and then I got my degree in the world, and it's not a degree of education. It definitely was a degree of BS, bull stink. It, it was full of what the world gave me, and it, it degreed me. I think I got a doctorate in doing it the wrong way. And how many understand this? Once you learn the wrong way, it's very hard to unwind that. And it seems impossible, and it may be, to try to do that on your own. I don't think God designed us to walk alone. So if you're going to grow, you have to know one thing. You cannot do it alone. Yes, I'm talking about you have to have a relationship with God. I'm going to give that as a given. But listen, if you're out there and you've never been in church, I get it. I remember walking into the church and listening to the accents and vernacular of Christianese, and I was so lost. I was road hard, put up wet. I smoked it. I drank it. I fought it. I chased it. I did it. I snorted it. I drank it. I did all that the world had to offer, and I came up empty every single time. When I came into a head-on collision with Jesus Christ at 19 years old, almost 20 years old, everything began to change. But in that growth process, there was some requirements, and there's always two parts of this. There's God's part, and there's your part, and your part is very important. Not one time have I seen God not do his part. Now, he doesn't do it in the way or the timing that I would prefer him to do it. I think all of us could say that. I would have liked it really easy. But God puts us in some of those hot season desert testing moments to shape us. But in that environment, I was hearing all of these different vernaculars and I couldn't understand what was going on. And many times I just tried to pick up the language and move on. But picking up the language or the accent or the vernacular of something doesn't change you from the inside. It just makes you talk like they talk. And very quickly, I began to understand I wanted to know who this person was, Jesus, that that helps us and who this person, Jesus, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, if you've been raised in the church, you've been told that the Holy Spirit is a convictor. That's simply not true. 
It's true once. He convicts us, arrests us, and shows us that we are dead men and women walking and need CPR from the blood of Jesus Christ. It's in that moment that we get to ask for forgiveness and, and, and allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come in part of our life to begin to guide us, and that Holy Spirit becomes a comforter. He walks you in all truth. And I'm going to talk about three parts in growing. The three parts are coach, counselor, and cheerleader. The Holy Spirit does all three of those parts if we allow it. That's God's part. Our part is we have to surrender, submit, humble ourselves, and become teachable. Now, we could break every one of those down. And if you're at a place now that you go, man, I've been really humbled, you're in a great spot. If you're really tired, you're in a great spot to grow. Sometimes we have to get tired of doing it our way in order to allow God to give it his way. And most of the time, his way comes at the hands and touch of people, men and women, what I love to call fathers and mothers in the faith. But they're mentors, they're coaches they're helping us. And I remember when I started this process, specifically when I started working for James Robinson's ministry, I was a young man, got hired in 1991. I wasn't married yet, but I was very close to asking my bride-to-be, Leslie, to get engaged with me. And I had some men around me. There was an older man by the name of Pete Clater, very sweet, funny, I loved Pete. Pete got saved in what he's what I would call a hound dog. He was a hound dog chasing women when he was a young man, has an encounter with Jesus, gets married to one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Even when she was an older lady, she was gorgeous from the inside out. And Pete and Jody had lived a lot of life. There was people like Terry Redmond, James Robison, Phil Caldwell, Jimmy James, just people that God put in my life that had gone before me and what they kept asking. And sometimes they did it without words. I would say, well, when I get married, I'm going to do it this way. And I would get this look. (laughs) It was the look of you can try it that way. That's not going to go well for you. But they all began to ask me the same question is, Mark, do you really want to grow? Do you really want to learn? And you're going to have to surrender some of your thoughts, some of your words, some of your ways to allow God to help you to get where you want to go. And what they did, they were being mentors. They were being coaches asking the right question. Now, a coach always encourages. Part of a coach, you have to encourage in the first piece of coaching. You have to connect, whether you're training a dog, a child, a human, a wife, a husband, whatever you're doing. That training piece, you have to have a connection and you have to find out how that individual thinks. So a good coach begins to observe the person that they're coaching and they're not trying to turn them into many me's. So if I can sidebar for a second, when I had Tucker and Ellie, both my children, firstborn was Tucker, second was Ellie Grace. Tucker's built much like me, very passionate. Uh, When he was a young boy, He felt things very deeply and responded. And most of the time he was just reacting to what he felt, good or bad, whatever it was. Where Ellie Grace likes to ponder and think, she doesn't let things fly out of her mouth until she's really processed it because she wants to be perfect in her communication. She got that from her mother. She didn't get that from me. Tucker and I would act first and think later. They think so long that they miss the opportunity to connect. 
the point I wanted to make to you is there is a scripture that says, raise a child in the way you should go, and they will not depart from it. A sweet friend that was a woman broke that scripture down to me and brought it to a new perspective for me. And that perspective was, what if God was really saying to us, raise a child in the way God bent and shaped them, and they will not depart from it? That just pow, blew my mind. You talk about fire. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Then it became very real to me as a coach to study Tucker and to study Ellie and see the ingredients of uniqueness that he put in them, not to try to shape them into me or their mother, but to shape them into the image that God placed in our care. Some of you need to realize this as being a parent. You're not, you're not near, what I'm trying to say to you is God had a purpose and plan. And it wasn't to make a mini you. You were given the ability and opportunity to shape God's purpose and plan through your children. And this comes out a lot of time in counseling with people and walking with people. There's a lot of frustration in that, but it changed my life. There was a principle found there in growing my kids in the way that I wanted to shape them. So a coach will cheer on. I cheered Tucker and Ellie on all the time. A lot of emotional touch, kisses. I was giving my, my, my currencies away, and there's five currencies, time, talent, treasures, words, and touch. We have to, a, a child needs all of those. People need all of those in a coach. If you watch a coach, he is watching and studying the strengths and the weakness, and sometimes in a weakness, here's a very big coaching principle that I want to pass on to you. Sometimes you're not supposed to fix the weakness. You're supposed to feature it because the weakness is not broken. It was placed there by God. I've always been bold and courageous, and my coaches and mentors never tried to shape that out of me, not the good ones. There was a lot of people who wanted me to talk like the church talks. It's never going to happen. I'm 55 years old and still th say things that just make people cringe. That's okay. That's their problem, not my problem. God put that in me. There's a courageousness and a boldness in me, and those men began to shape that. So first of all, they began to ask me, what kind of marriage do you want to have? And I would tell them, a very important one was to me because where I'd grown up is I wanted to be faithful to my wife all the days of my life. And we began to just journal down what that was. What, it, what kind of father do you want to be? I would just say, I don't want to be physical. I don't want to be emotionally abusive. I want to cover my children. I want to know where they are. I don't want them to live life in huge parts of it of being uncovered. When we're uncovered, it leaves us to our own demise. And as a child, you will go down paths that you don't need to go to. So if you're going to be a good coach as a, as a parent, you're going to have to know where your kids are. So coaches connect. They look at where some, how someone is bent and shaped and sees the uniqueness of what God did, and they're not trying to rebend that. They're pointing that where God wants it to go. But inside that, there's cheering and connecting, but there's a lot of correction that comes with coaching. There is, hey, this is what time we go to bed. It starts with a baby, right? We put them on a schedule. If you're smart, I see a lot of kids in this time and era, they're just kind of winging it. There's no schedule. 
the, the, the baby's three years old and still sleeping with them. And they're like, well, our intimacy life has just really gone. And we don't, we don't really know why we lost connection. Take the baby out of the bedroom, put it in a crib. You're supposed to be teaching that child. We miss it as a coach. You're doing that to comfort yourself and you're not help shaping them. That's about you. That's not about them. So a coach has to separate these things and choose to cheer someone on. Choose to, a coach is always communicating all the time. So if you're going to be mentored in any area of your life, you're going to need a coach that will come in and be a part of your life, which will allow you to do two things. You're going to have to be transparent. You're going to have to be vulnerable. I say it this way. It's like if you're going to be coached up, if you're going to grow, then you're going to have to be real about where you are. One of the things that I really struggled with in my life and still can come to those points was rejection, abandonment, and insecurity. And when those things got triggered, my behavior went back to more of a 14 or 15-year-old, sometimes younger than that, as I was being coached. So it's not like it all went away to in one moment, in five years or 10 years, I'm still on the journey of being coached by God, coached by others, coached by men and women. But when we begin to get coached, there's the connection, there's the cheering, there's the correcting, there's the help shaping. Your part is you've got to surrender and su submit. Can I tell you this? It does not come very normal or natural to submit or surrender when you're being coached. It's, it's really hard. If you ever had a coach in business or a coach on the football field or the cheerleading squad or whatever you're into, there's times that they say things that you just go, gosh. And there's the practicing over and over and over to get that past your mind so you're not thinking and reacting. You're responding. And that's what a coach does. Then there's the second part of this that becomes the counselor. This is the, especially in parenting, there comes a time too many people want to be friends with their kids. Your job is not to be your friends. I've, I've heard people coming up and, you know, they've got a 10-year-old child and they said, he's my, he's my best buddy. I get it. But they'll say and they'll move on. He's my best friend. He's not your best friend. My daughter's not my best friend when I'm in that phase. That phase comes later. My son's 26 years old. He called me the other day and he said, hey, dad, you're my best friend. That is appropriate timing to become friends with your children. But while they're being raised, you've got to coach them and you've got to counsel them. That's exactly what God does. You don't become coach, counselor, cheerleader and get it out of order and go friend, coach. No, a coach is not my friend. He's there to make me the best version of me that I can be. And then there becomes the wisdom, the counsel part of this. Now, the counsel part of this is not correcting. It's waiting for somebody to come in and ask. It's a really hard thing to do. It was very difficult for me as I did life coaching and heart coaching for organizations and business and in personal and in counseling. I wanted to tell them, whoa, 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 what you're doing right now is really going to cause pain. The counsel stage of this has to take a lot of patience and you have to wait much like we have to do. Once we've raised a child to a certain way, we need to wait. There became a time in Tucker's life when he was that 18 to 20 years old. I could go in and try to coach. It was not received. But when I waited and he would call and he'd say, hey, dad, 
this is what's going on in my life. Or Ellie would call and say, Dad, what do I do with this? My heart feels this way. That's the doorway for the counselor to come in and bring wisdom and encouragement and principles and why this works. You begin to ask a lot of questions about where do you want to go? How would you like to go there? Do you want to go the hard road or the, or the easy road? Do you want more turbulence or do you want to get through this and really understand why this works? You're teaching them not the first stage of that coach. I don't care if they know the principle or not. They need to submit and surrender. The second stage of counseling is I need them to understand the why behind what I'm doing. Any mentor that gets that job done and teaches them a principle has done a really good thing and growth comes every single time. You cannot counsel or help someone grow without the word of God. It's impossible. I don't care what you're in. All these people out there coaching and, you know, the energy of the world, BS. There's no energy of the world that's going to shape you and grow you like a man or woman in your life can grow you and like God wants to grow you. Let's get off this. Positive thinking isn't going to take you there. It needs to be positivity based upon the principles of the Word of God. But we've got to teach people to do that. And one of the things that I began to teach my kids is we're going to declare things out of our mouth. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Now, the principle in positive training is great, but they don't know why or who it's connected to. God is the most positive force I've ever met in my entire life. But there's principles behind it, and it's called faith, hope, and love. And love is the greatest among these. God is always faithful. God is always hopeful, and God is always loving. So there's the why behind the positivity, not just positivity for positivity's sake. I've got people around my life that just are so positive but don't know the reason why, so they're doing the vernacular thing, don't understand the principle. They publicly look like they're doing well, but privately are in a lot of misery. So We've seen the coach, we've seen the counselor, the patience, the teaching, the why, the encouragement that goes along with it. And then the last phase of this is the cheerleading stage. And that's the stage I am with my oldest son, Tucker. All I do is cheer him on and he still comes back for counsel. But my role and goal in this stage of life is I know everything in life is tearing him down. I know everything is telling him I'm at a cul-de-sac in my career. I, I'm, I, I've got a roadblock. What do I do here? Dad, I'm raising a child. I, some of the funnest phone calls that I'm getting right now is just saying, Dad, how did you do this? We, I've, I, I used to say the statement all the time when Tucker talked to me about finances. I said, son, most of the time I'm just trying to stop the bleeding. Well, he called the other day and he said, Dad, I get it now. Everything's going out. And only so much is coming in. Dad, you were trying to teach me the principle and counsel me in stewardship. I said, that's exactly it. I said, Tucker, it's not about a season of making more money. It's about stewarding what you do have right now. And he does such a great job in that. My ceiling truly has become his floor. And if I could be anybody, it'd be him. Now, my daughter does the same thing. Relationally, heart, scripturally, in her career, she's at A&M. Fixing to go into her senior year. She's had a major shift. She was going to go into the medical profession. She first wanted to be a doctor, and then she was going to go get her doctorate. 
in midwifery and then all this craziness in 2020 hit and she said dad i don't think that's what i want to do and the more we've talked the more i've heard her say dad i desire to counsel and encourage people she's been raised in a home that's what we do so i'm i'm coaching her and guiding her as she does that i don't know if she's gonna land and go get a doctorate in counseling i don't know what it is but i know it's going to be fantastic because she was bent shaped and God has already ordered, ordered and ordained all the days of her life. So here's a couple of thoughts that I wanted to just tell you. You see the coach, the counselor, and the cheerleader. You need all three of those, and that doesn't have to come from the same person. James Robinson was a huge father for me, but he's not my cheerleader. He is a coach. I still go back today, and I have questions for her. I'm, I'm going to get coached up and probably corrected a lot. That's not a bad thing. I go to other people to get that counsel and wisdom. David Terry is a huge part of my life. We've written several books together, The Original Sanctuary, The All-In Life. But he is he's my senior by five years. He's been there. He's now 60 years old. And I go to David because he's got sound counsel all the time for me. And he cheerleads me on. But I have another friend named Steve Martinez. Steve does nothing but cheer me on and acts like I'm the best thing that's ever walked on the planet. Every person needs a Steve in their life. Every person needs a James in their life. Every person needs a David in their life. But my wife has all three of those. Out of everyone in my life, when it comes to an area that I want to grow, that's the first person I go to because she has such sound coaching, counseling, and cheerleading in her and the fourth thing, she's an incredible comforter. And if you're going to mentor and grow someone, that fourth thing is going to be important because people need comfort. You need comfort in the season and stage that you're in right now. So I want to encourage you. Here's some of the obstacles and roadblocks I ran into. Mindsets and perceptions. Because of the trauma in my past, rejection and insecurity still can paint a picture to me. Now, I don't get upset at myself anymore when I act out because in trying to grow and I start reacting and start instead of responding. Now, people will hold records of wrong against you, but I know that God doesn't. It's his nature and character. He wants to grow you more than you want to grow. God is always patient and kind, and he's always encouraging me in this process. But when those moments happen, you need to identify what are the nemesis, what are the Achilles heels for you. Rejection was for me. Insecurity my whole entire life. I'm talking 20s, 30s, 40s, into my 50s. There was a sense of not feeling loved, not feeling accepted. It wasn't as much coming from other people was as it was coming from self-talk inside myself, and it stunned me. Although I'm counseling people, I'm getting to go into environments and settings with high-profile people to low-profile people and see amazing things happen in their life. Sometimes I was giving away medicine that I wasn't even for sure how to take myself. And we forget this. Time is a portion in growing. And you need to be patient with yourself, but you need to identify what are the tendencies that you have. Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it jealousy? Is it a low value of yourself? I didn't deal with a low value of myself. I have a pretty high value of myself, but the self-talk, I would feel rejected even sitting in a room, not even having anyone talk to me. 
And it led me to one of the things that I'm going to talk about and do a series on this, or at least a podcast about expectations. One of the biggest roots that were weaved down for me is I had massive expectations on myself. Therefore, I put those expectations on other people and I didn't even know I was doing it. So God takes me through some painful moments to coach, counsel, and cheerlead by using other people in my life to be a part of that, to shape that. So you need to find out what that is. Do you have a tendency not to follow through? Are you high agreement to something with low follow through? Do you journal and write down your thoughts? Whatever it is, I want you to take some time after listening to this podcast and ask yourself, what are the weaknesses that keep me from growing in the areas that I want to grow? And you need to identify what is the area you want to grow in. Is it as being a father? Is it being just a better person, a better Christian, a better lover, better whatever it is? Hey, listen, if this is about I want to learn how to be a better lover in the bedroom with my spouse, that's a good thing to grow in inside marriage. And you can start talking about that. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Growing is a part of life. And if you're not growing, you're staying stagnant. River in, no river out, becomes polluted and stagnant water. So you need fresh water that comes in through people and peers and mentors that will do that. One of the things I also had to look at was a propensity in myself that I wanted to do it on my own. Sometimes I just, I didn't want help. I wanted to go do it, which led me to go down some really hard roads. I'm not talking about falling off and having an affair I just wanted to figure it out. When I started this podcast, I, I called everyone that I knew and just said, hey, can you coach me a little bit, counsel me, counsel me a little bit, and cheer me on in this? You know, every one of them just began to talk to me about, Mark, what's the vision? I said, I want to be real raw and unreligious and want to connect with people out there. They just told me to start writing it down. Find out who your listener is and what I want to do, what has been put in me by the hand of the Lord is hope and encouragement. I'm going to encourage people, but if you're going to be around me, you're going to get corrected. I'm. It's just a huge part. I love to coach, counsel, and cheer people on, but correction is love. How do you receive correction? And that was a good question for me because when I wanted to do it on my own and people were trying to correct me and help me in love, I was rejecting it because I wanted to do it on my own. At 55 years old, I'm looking saying, hey, correct me, help me. I see correction as love. But many people hear correction as beating them up. I remember a man a long time ago because he waves raised, one of the best pastors I've ever been around in my life. I loved him. But because he didn't have a father in his life, anytime a male would bring some criticism to help him move on, they'd critically think for a positive outcome. He would see that as hate because he never had a father. He couldn't even get a good view of a father. So all correction was direct, was rejected. If that's you, let me tell you, you need to sit down and think through this for a minute and get down to the root of that. Surrender that back to the Lord so that you can grow in the area that you want to grow in. So I want to encourage you today to find where you want to be coached, counseled, and cheerlead. Write down the vision. Make it plain. Write down some goals and some steps and begin to ask some people 
to coach you in this process and be teachable in the process. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be hard-headed. That was spoken over me my whole entire life. I broke that off of me, and I want to be pliable and flexible to anyone. It doesn't matter if they're 65 or 35. I have a young man in Florida that I watch him, and as I'm watching him, God coaches, counsels, and cheerleads me into a better version of what I want to become. So it doesn't matter about age as much as it does submitting, growing, and accepting those things. I hope this has been helpful for you today. Thanks for joining me in the Unbridled Life. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Life podcast. We know your time is valuable, and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to the Unbridled Life Podcast dot com and learn more.